Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. It's the Word of God. You're going to find power and strength. Because the Word of God is capable of taking care of any need if we just obey it. Amen? I don't know if I convinced you of that. Is it truth? The Word of God is powerful. Amen. And we don't have to fix the Word of God. We don't have to push the Word of God. Just preach and teach the Word of God, and it takes care of everything. Amen. Amen. Thank God for His Word. I want, before I read my scriptures today, uh, I want to say uh, my message title before I read it so it will help us to understand what we're going to be preaching about here today and that is that there is a pandemic that is going on and I'm not talking about COVID-19 there is a pandemic that is taking place and it's taking place within the body of Christ and that pandemic is my title is the pandemic of being homesick we are homesick we are longing for that place that God has prepared for us we're homesick there is a sickness that is going on we're homesick the book of Psalms chapter 107 verse 9 as you turn there 107 and 9 of the book of Psalms I've been feeling this in my soul here of late and uh, just feeling homesick just feeling homesick and if you wonder what you're feeling why you're feeling the way you're feeling I think we have to look at this pandemic that we're faced with today Psalms 107 and 9 for he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness we're longing our soul is longing 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 3 and 4 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 3 and 4 reads blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead verse 4 to an inheritance to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away and then look what it says reserved in heaven for you I'm going to read that scripture again that last scripture to an inheritance incorruptible this inheritance that God has promised us it cannot be corrupted 
It's already stored up in, he in a heavenly place. It's the heavenlies. God has prepared inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. That's wonderful. <laughs> and it's got eternal factors here and that fadeth not away. Reserved in heaven for you. Who is that you? It's those that have made themselves ready. What we're feeling today in this present time is we're homesick. That, that just puts the whole word together there. We're homesick. We need, we need to feel that and that continual longing. And when we get there, it's going to be a place of beauty, undefiled, not corrupted and it's going to be eternal <laughs> amen i like for us to lift our hands and give thanks unto the lord before we are seated lord jesus i thank you for the inheritance that you have given us lord even yet today as we have worshiped and we have prayed and we have sang songs unto you god we have tasted of a heavenly place beyond this world. We have tasted of the glory of God beyond this world. And God, I thank you for it here today. I thank you for the wonderful presence of your spirit, a touch of heaven in your house. I praise you. I praise you for it, Lord, today. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. We have worshiped and we have prayed, and the Lord, again, is faithful to his word. And through our praise and worship, God's promise has come to pass, and he's filled his house with his spirit, and there is power and healing here in the house of the Lord. And I thank the Lord for this place. I long for the house of God. I love to walk into the house of God and just feel a little bit of the taste of his presence and what we're going to experience in heavenly places in our eternal future. But this is just a taste. This is not everything that we're going to experience. But the Lord said in Psalms 107 and 9, for he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. I know that our souls are longing for a better place. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope to the church and to the people of God, the kingdom of God, this, we haven't put all of our hope in this present world. Our hope is beyond this life. Our hope is in a heavenly place, but we do have hope here. Matter of fact, we have enjoyment here and a life of peace and a life of victory as we walk with God and are obedient to his word. But the Lord has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Lord is not uh, a God that desires for there to be death. 
God desires for there to be life and that more abundantly, but yet through, through death brings forth life and brings forth resurrection. I know that death comes, but I also know that those that have made themselves ready through death are going to find resurrection and they're going to find life. Whether it be in an altar of repentance and dying to sin, we find when we die in death to our old person, we find that we find life on the other side of that death and repentance, and we find forgiveness, and we find deliverance. We find the weights lifted up off of our heart and soul. But yet we also find that that in a world today, it is a world that is very discouraging in death. There's a lot of death that is going around. There's a lot of things that are going around in our world that is really troubling to those that have their eyes and their sights and their heart and their soul upon a heavenly place beyond this world. You know, there is a, a, a story, a true story of something that happened years ago and uh, many years ago in England, there was a circus elephant named Bozo. And uh, it was very popular with the public. Matter of fact, the children loved Bozo, especially loved, uh, children especially loved uh, to crowd around his cage and throw him peanuts and watch him respond to that. Then one day, there was just a sudden change to Bozo. He, he, it was like someone turned a light switch and everything changed. He wasn't the, the kind and gentle uh, elephant that he once was. Um, it seemed like that there was a change in the elephant's personality. Several times he tried to kill his keeper and when the children would come near to the cage uh, he, would, um, he would charge the edge of the cage toward them as if he wanted to trample them and trample them to death. It was very obvious that he, he would have destroyed them if he had that access to get through the cage. It was not like the personality of, it was not like the personality of Bozo. He was just a gentle, kind elephant. But the circus owner, a very greedy and crude man, decided to stage a public execution of this animal. And in his thinking, he didn't just want to put him away privately, but he wanted to put him away with a fanfare and with, um, with uh, an ability to be able to make more money that he could, he could take the money and replace Bozo. So through his greed and his crudeness, he decided to stage a public execution of the animal. In this way, he would sell these tickets and try to recoup all the cost of losing such a valuable property. The day came and the huge circus tent was packed full of people. Bozo was in his cage and it was in the center of the ring. Nearby stood a firing squad with high-powered rifles and the manager standing near the cage uh, was about ready to give the signal to fire at Bozo the elephant. When out of the crowd came a little short, inconspicuous man in a brown derby hat. He walked up to the cage and he said to the, to the manager, he said, there is no need for this. There is no need to kill this animal, he told the manager uh, quietly. The manager brushed him aside. 
he is a bad elephant. He must die before he kills someone. And uh, he said, the, the man insisted. He said, you're wrong. There's no need to kill this animal. He said, just give me two minutes in the cage alone with him, and I will prove that you are wrong. So just two minutes is all he asked for. The manager turned and stared in amazement. He said to the man, he said, you're going to be killed. And the man said, I, I don't think so. I won't be killed. He said, do, you, do I have permission to go in and to be with this elephant in its cage? Finally, the manager, being the kind of man he was, was not one to pass up such a dramatic spectacle. Even if the man were killed, the publicity alone would be worth millions, he thought, as he was thinking in greed. And as he gave the permission, he said, all right, he said, but first you need to sign a release absolving the circus for all the responsibility if you are killed in this cage. And the small man signed the paper. And as he removed his coat and his hat, he prepared to enter into the cage. The manager told the people what was about to happen, and a hush fell over the crowd. The door to the cage was unlocked, and the man stepped inside. Then the door was locked behind him. At the sight of this stranger in his cage, the elephant threw back his trunk, and he let out a mite of roar, then bent his head, preparing to charge the man. And the man stood quiet, still, and faint smile on his face as he began to talk quietly to the animal. The audience was so quiet that those nearest to the cage could hear the man talking but couldn't make out the words that he was speaking to this animal. He seemed to be speaking in some foreign language to the elephant. Slowly as the man continued to talk, the elephant raised his head and then the crowd heard an almost piteous cry from the element as his enormous head began to sway gently from side to side. Smiling, the man walked confidently to the animal and began to stroke the long trunk of this elephant. All aggression seemed suddenly to have been drained from the elephant. Docile as a pup, now he, he wound his trunk around the man's waist and the two walked slowly around the ring. The astounded audience could bear the silence no longer and broke out in cheers and clapping. After a while, the man bade farewell to the elephant and left the cage. The elephant's personality had changed. He got his old personality back. He'll be all right now, he told the manager. You see, he is an Indian elephant, and none of you spoke his language, uh, which his language was Hindustani. I would advise you to get someone around here who speaks Hindu-Sani. He was just homesick. He was just homesick, and with that little man put on his coat and his hat, and he left, the astounded manager looked down at the slip of paper in his hand. The name of the man had signed was Rudyard Kipling. He was a man that understood the language of this Indian elephant. But the whole problem with his personality change and the whole problem with his, uh, his struggle, this elephant, 
uh, in this cage. He was just simply homesick. And as he spoke the language to this elephant, the elephant began to calm down because he felt a little taste of home. He felt a little taste of home. You see, many of us, I'm sure, have been homesick before. This world does not speak our language anymore. This world and the thinking of this world doesn't speak the language of the children of God. And our longing is we're homesick. And it has sometimes, it has changed our personality and it has changed the way we act. We're frustrated. We are anxious. We have anxiety. We have struggle. We feel evil that's creeping in and the struggle of these things. But we're just simply feeling the pandemic of being homesick. Homesickness, it's, it, evidently it is a real sickness that, I mean, they could put sickness on anything that you could think of. Uh, you, could be, you could be sick of probably just about anything. We probably all are sick in some way or another according to the, the ways of the world and their thinking. And they put all these different names on these. But homesickness, I, I read a definition of what homesickness really means. And it really stood out to me as I started reading it. Homesickness is the distress caused by being away from home. That makes sense. It's the distress of being away from home. Its cognitive hallmark is preoccupying thoughts of home and attachment objects. We begin to remember the thoughts and the memories of home, and we begin to remember and, and attach ourselves with different objects we come in contact with. And then all of a sudden, our mind goes back to home again. You've been there. You've felt that before. I have. Sufferers typically report a combination of depression, depressive and anxious symptoms, withdrawn behavior and difficulty focusing on topics unrelated to home. In its mild form, homesickness prompts the development of coping skills and motivates healthy attachment behaviors such as renewing contact with loved ones. Indeed, nearly all people miss something about home when they are away, making homesickness a nearly universal experience. However, intense homesickness can be painful and debilitating. I thought it was very interesting when I read that, that we do connect with thoughts from home. Uh, I'm, I'm a long ways from home. My hometown is Springfield, Missouri. And I always love to go back home. I, I do have a home here, and I, there's no place like home. But there's no place like home home. <laughs> there's a lot of things. There's some things that have changed there. Uh, you know, the home is, is not lived in at this place. But I do remember the times that I would take my family back home. And when I pulled up down the street, a lot of memories would flow past my mind, remembering the details of home. The big yard that we played baseball in and football in, in the backyard, the neighbor kids would come over. and It was not, 
It was not the most perfect baseball diamond. It was not symmetrically made just like the, the lengths of every, uh, every baseball field, but uh, the first base was a long run to get to first base. It was the oak tree in the backyard. And then we put a paper plate or some kind of a metal plate out for second base. It was a little bit shorter run to there. And then it got even shorter when you run from second base to third because third base was the well house. And then you, when you got past third base, you had to run to home and then it was a little bit further, not as far as going to first base, but it was a little bit further to go to that um, home plate. And we played a lot of baseball there. A lot of memories come back. And in the football games that were there, I remember playing baseball, and I was always the, the smallest one on the, on the field and in the neighborhood. So um, uh, center field was a long shot, and some of the bigger guys could knock it clear up into the oak trees, and we would we'd get mad at them because we would lose the baseball every time they hit a home run. And then... Um, you know, there was other places you could hit a home run, but my place to hit the home run was over third base because that fence was so close. And I had the power to be able to hit it every time almost over third base and right over the fence, right into my great-grandmother's backyard where we could find the ball. And I remember uh, one time we bought baseballs uh, one of the guys went up to the Army Surplus Store, and that's where we bought our baseball gloves and our kites and our clutches for the, for the mini bike that we wore out. And uh, that's the place where they, one of the guys went up and bought some baseballs, and when he brought them back, uh, some, of the, some of the older guys would hit a home run, and after they hit a home run, if we found it, it was worthless to be thrown in the trash can because it was so lopsided. I don't know what they made those baseballs out of, but we just had a lot of memories in the backyard and in football games in the backyard. I remember my brother in his, in his humor. I, I, um, we used to play football at night when it was dark in the backyard just because it was just a challenge. And I remember one time the other group of guys were on the other end of the field and I was with my brother at this end of the field and, and my brother goes up and he kicks the ball and then he says, are you ready? <laughs> and uh, as they look up and one of them got smacked right in the face with the football uh, because that's just the way he played. <laughs> but I can think of a lot of memories when I pull up to that old home house and see the tree that I climbed up in many times and even after coming into the church, I climbed up the tree to pray so I could get so thought that I could get closer to God there because I was a little bit higher from the ground. And then the driveway, which was gravel at one time, uh, that's where I learned how to ride a bike. And when I fell, uh, you know, that's when you grind gravel into your knees. And so you learn how to not fall. <laughs> and then the old well house was the base for the nighttime hide and seek. We would hi play hide and seek all over the neighborhood. And the person that was it, I mean, they had to uh, run blocks trying to find us. And then we would run back to the well house. And as long as we touched the well house, we were safe. Not only was the well house a base for hide and seek, it was a base for baseball, but it was also a meeting place for all of us that we would all sit on the well house and have long conversations about a lot of funny things. 
And then next door was great-grandmother Ward's house, and I could still hear her open the door when I came home, and she would say, pew! That's what she said when she called you, pew! I don't know where she got that. If she got it from church, pew, or just smelling pew. I don't know if that's how she got it, but she would say, pew! And what she was saying is, come on over here before you go into your house because I have something good for you, like food. Maybe that's the reason why I like food, and my messages always get back to food. But I can still hear her voice, that sweet voice. I can still remember the times of praying with her when she was sick, and I can feel that spirit of God as we prayed, and the presence of God would fill that place, and she would be healed. I might have mentioned this before, but my brother at one time was staying with her because she had some heart issues. And uh, in the middle of the night, she woke up and she was sick and she was having a heart problem and a pain there. And she began to call my brother, Steve. Steve, can you come in here and help me? And, and finally, she kept calling him and he finally woke up and she said, Steve, I'm not feeling good can you come in here and help me? And my brother was so tired. He said, Grandma, he said, if you just lay back down and go to sleep, he said, you'll be okay. And he went back to sleep. And my grandmother, my great-grandmother, got to laughing. She told me she got to laughing about that so, so hard that she started feeling better. <laughs> but you see, there's a lot of memories, a lot of things that went on there as I pull up back to that uh, porch, that porch at that house where I grew up. And the place, I, I remember the very spot where my dog would be laying as I walked out the door. Or if my dog was, at that time, they could run the neighborhood. We didn't have to keep them on chains or in a cage. They ran the neighborhood. And um, I remember walking out there, and if I didn't see the dog sitting on the porch, I would just give out a certain whistle. And that dog, no matter where that dog was at in the neighborhood, if he was two or three blocks away, that dog would come running. If I just waited just a little bit, that dog would come running back over to that spot, wagging its tail, wanting me to pet it, because I knew that dog knew that I would be there to pet him. Matter of fact, that dog was a wonderful pillow in the grass, too, as we played. Such a, such a wonderful dog that he was. But most importantly about home is loved ones there. I remember going home and the, the reunion of family together, and when my mom and dad knew that we were coming, of course, my mom would go to the kitchen. And I remember walking in the door and smelling the, the, poor, boys, the poor boy's casserole. I don't know if you know anything about that, but I still can taste it to this day. It was still good. To my sons, I'm sure they can remember the thoughts of uh, salmon patties, because we ate those all the time, too. I know that while they were there, they ate them every day. <laughs> And then there's the chocolate cake, oh, just such a beautiful taste. My mother knew I loved chocolate cake, so she would make a cake with homemade icing, and it was so good. But here's the thing about the chocolate cake. It was always hot when we got there because mom would always wait till the last minute to bake it. That's just the way she did things. But it was so good, just the thought. I knew that when I got home, there was going to be some things that were going to be there that were going to be a very good blessing to my life. We were going to get not just a hug at home, but we were going to get a squeeze at home, a tight squeeze and a kiss on the cheek, and come on in 
and a welcome, and I'm glad you're here. So there's homesick times. I just think back at those times. I can't go back. I can go back to the house, but the family's not there anymore. My dad lives at a different place. My mom has went on to her heavenly reward. And uh, there's a lot of memories that still run deep there. Uh, home, many times, reminds me of events and experiences that I just can't get away from. But oh, let me put it that way, I don't want to get away from because they are so special and so important to me. And when we talk about heaven here today, it is a home that God has made especially for his people. This is just a passing through place. This is not all of our hope. We haven't put all of our hope in this life alone. But our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in a place beyond this world that is an eternal place. It's a, a home that God has made especially for us. The Bible has a description of what it will be like, but you know, just mere words that we could talk about the things of heaven, those mere words can't touch the beauty that is there. Mere words can't touch what it's really going to be like, what the colors are going to be like, what the peace is going to be like, what the the victory is going to be like, what the joy is going to be like, just being in the presence of the Almighty God and being there with others that you know, that you love, that has went on be, be from this life to that heavenly reward. I've never been there physically. I have never seen it with my own eyes. I've never touched it with my own hands. But I have tasted of it. I have tasted of that heavenly place, just like today when we begin to worship and seek God. I felt the glory of a heavenly place that even just put a stronger longing in my heart and soul that I want to go to that place. I'm homesick. What I'm feeling is that this world doesn't speak my language anymore. This world looks at the word of God and says there's nothing to it, but yet I know that there's something more to the word of God than what the world understands. There is power in this book. There is healing in this book. There's salvation in this book. Not just in the book alone, but through obedience to the word of God. I've got to take the word of God and I've got to obey it as it is. Amen. But I've tasted. I've tasted of the glory of God. I've been in the presence of the Almighty. I've been healed in my body. I've been saved and felt the power of my burdens of sin lifted up off of my heart and off of my soul and I felt free and liberty through the power of God's spirit amen I've been in the presence of the Lord in services where the glory cloud came down amen I've seen people slain in the spirit and if you never experienced that before you've got to experience that there's nothing like it but I have seen that heavenly place in in, in a way through faith's eyes through faith eyes and I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord he is good brother Mauser he is good what we're feeling in this hour 
is homesickness. It's a pandemic that is covering the people, not just in this church, but the church as a whole around the world, in our, in our city, in our state, in our country, in our world. We're just homesick for that city that God has prepared for us. Oh, we won't be satisfied until we get there with the current events of our world of lawlessness, with the current events of murder at a rapid rate in our world. People are not considering the value of life, but yet the children of God and the things of God considers life, and not just life, but life and that more abundantly. Amen. We live in a world of fear. People are in fear for their lives. Sometimes they can't even walk out of their house. I've even heard that they can't, some of them can't even drive down the alley behind their house or in the front of their house unless they pay somebody that's out trying to get money to, and pay them. Otherwise, they're going to do something to them that they're not going to like. Burning buildings, burning businesses, breaking windows and stealing and and people not considering the value of life as a whole in a world. They don't speak the language of the church of the living God. We're not in this thing for death. We're in this thing for life because the, the life is the product of us dying to our old self. And even when we get to the point of passing from this life, if God doesn't come back and take us in a rapture, if he takes us first through death, one thing is for sure, there is a heavenly place to those that have prepared themselves as a bride to meet the groom. Homesick. Homesick. It's a deep feeling. Homesickness. It's a, it's a deep feeling. We live in a world where good is called evil and evil is called good. In the book of 2 Peter chapter 2, or it's book of 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 2, listen to what it says here. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. That is the condition of our world. People following their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth, the way of the word of God, it's going to be speaking, they shall speak evil of. I'm talking about a world that we're living in that we're not satisfied. We're not satisfied. Our hearts longing for a place beyond this life. There is a gnawing in our soul. There is a longing in our hearts today for that heavenly place, for that country that God has made for us. What makes heaven what it is? I'll tell you what makes heaven what it is. It's not the crystal sea. It's not the streets of gold. It's not the mansions. It's God's presence. It's, it's, it's God. It's God's plan. Thank the Lord uh, that he's got things there that are going to bless us. And that's his design. Thank God for that. But the most precious thing about the heavenly place is God's presence. When we find God's presence, we're going to find complete healing in our soul. We're going to find forgiveness for sin and deliverance and true conquering of the things of this world. 
What makes heaven what it is, is God's presence. We've tasted a little heaven in God's church today. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes for you to make it to heaven, whatever it takes for you to get there, you must do it. Because the other choice is not a place you want to go to. Hell is not a place you want to go to. Whatever it takes to get there, you must do it. We don't want to miss it by any means. Hopefully every one of our loved ones will be there. But we can't follow their example and their guidance and how to get there. We've got to follow the example of the Word of God. We've got to stand upon the word of God. I pray the mercies of the Lord will be upon every soul that has passed from this life. And I pray that everybody makes it. But yet we do have a word of truth that tells us exactly how to get there. And whatever it takes, we've got to do it. We've got to live it. We've got to walk it. We've got to believe it. We've got to stand upon it. Amen. We've got to fight to fight. Amen. Hopefully every loved one's going to be there. But here's the thing. Until we get there, there is a fight that we've got to fight in. We're going to feel the pressure. We're going to feel the heaviness. We're going to feel the longing. But yet God has called us for such a time as this for us to be able to do the things that he wants us to do. It is a fight. He knew we knew how to fight. He knew we would be able to listen to his word and obey it. He knew that we would be able to, to, to stand when all else fails. And he's called us for such a time as this. 2020, I'll be so glad when 2020 is over with. But what's to say 2021 is going to be any better? I hope and pray that it is. I pray that the Lord will give us a break. But you know, we're living in a time of destruction and we're living in a time that things are coming to a close. And what we're feeling is this home is not my true home. I'm just passing through to a place beyond this life. We will fight on until he takes us home. There is a work to do. There is a, a song that that talks about heaven. Some of you, I know, have heard it, probably sang it. Some of you probably have never heard it before. It was written by a man named Squire Parsons. And it's a song that's titled Sweet Beulah Land. Sweet Beulah Land. I remember years ago, uh, a brother in our church had a tremendous singing voice. My wife has heard him sing, and maybe my sons. His name was Terry Newman. And any, many times he'd get up and sing that song, and just the power of God would flow. Sweet Beulah land. I often wondered what the word Beulah meant. I thought it was a word or a name for a woman. <laughs> I've known some Beulahs in my lifetime. I've known a lot of different name people. Bessie, anybody know a Bessie? I, I had a relative that was named Bessie. A lot of 
a lot of different names. My mother, my, my great-grandmother's name was Mona, a name you might hear a little bit more today than you did before. A lot of different names, but I always thought, I was trying to figure out what Beulah means, Beulah land. Is that a woman's land to go to? As in my young thinking, but I looked up in the Bible, the word Beulah, and it's found in one area in the book of Isaiah 62, 4 and 5. And it says, Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. Neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate. But thou shalt be called Hephzibah, and thy land Beulah. For the Lord delighteth in thee, and in thy land shall be married for as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. It's talking about a land. It was a land God made especially for Israel. But us being the spiritual Israel, as the church it's also talking about a place for us. It was a land Israel prayed toward when they were in captivity. It was a country they desired. It was home. And when they were away from their homeland, they would turn and pray toward Jerusalem, toward the land that God had given them with hope that they would stand there again and stand upon that home. They were homesick. It was because of their bad mistakes and decisions that they ended up being in captivity in a foreign land, but yet their hearts never stopped longing for that Beulah land. Heaven is that land made especially for the church. We have been adopted and grafted in as the spiritual Israel. And it says here that you will be called Hepzibah. And I looked up that meaning, and it means my delight is in her. Now, the land, it is not saying that the land would be called Hepzibah. It says, but thou shalt be called Hepzibah. And what it was saying here is that you're going to be called my delight is in her. And then it goes on and says, and thy land is going to be called Beulah. Your land will be called Beulah. What does Beulah mean? It means married. Beulah means married. And as I looked at that verse, verse 5, for as a young man, it goes on here, it says, for as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. As a child of God, we feel a sense of marriage, commitment to heaven. The reason why we're feeling the uneasiness that we feel in this world today is because we have decided to make a commitment of marriage betrothal to 
that place that God has prepared for us, it is to God and also to what he has prepared in a heavenly place for us. It is a commitment. It is a desire. No, no, no matter how far we might be from that place at that, this time, we haven't seen it. We haven't we haven't touched it with our physical hand. We haven't set our feet upon that ground. But one thing is for sure, we've tasted of it. And we are longing for it. No matter how far you are away, we've made that commitment to, as a child of God to long for that place that God has called us eventually to. We're feeling that uneasiness. We're feeling that struggle. And no matter how dark the circumstances in our world may get in this life, you will be married in a commitment to the Lord. You will be committed to it. You will desire it, craving for it. You see, Squire Parsons' song, Sweet Beulah Land, in that song, it is a paradox in lines, the first and second line. It says, I'm homesick for a country that I've never been before. <laughs> I'm homesick for my home, but I've been there before, but yet I'm homesick, he said, for a country that I've never been before. How could you be homesick for a place you've never been before. I think it's all spelled out when you look at Abraham's life in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 10. For he looked for a city which has foundations. It's a stable place. Foundations whose builder and maker is God. Abraham never touched it with his physical hands. He never seen it with his physical eyes. He never stepped his foot there on that, that ground. But yet the longing in his soul and his commitment to the marriage of the Lord was his desire to be there in that place. So he went on a search for that place he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. He wasn't merely just talking about Canaan's land. He was talking about that place, but he also had a longing beyond that place because the Bible says that in, in the writings of the scripture that he was looking for a city that God had built, that the foundations were stable and he was a, it was built by a maker of God. He was also talking about a heavenly place. We do have blessings upon this earth, but we also have greater blessings beyond this life. We haven't been there, but we're longing for it. We haven't seen it, but we're longing for it. Something in our spirit is drawing us with desire to go to that place. And whatever it takes, I must Meet God in that land. In the second verse of Sweet Beulah Land, Squire Parsons sings, I'm looking now across the river to where my faith shall end in sight. This line expresses a confidence 
a confidence and conviction that the place that he sees with eyes of faith in the first verse is the very place that he will see with his own physical eye someday. And that's where we're at. We sing about it. We pray about it. We long for it. And we see it in eyes of faith. We get up out of bed. At least we should get out of bed and say, God, are you coming today? I'm ready. We lay our head down to sleep at night. We should say, God, if you're coming tonight, I'm ready. Because my heart is longing, and as long as you have that commitment to, to meet God in that marriage supper of the Lamb and get into that heavenly place that God has called us to, as long as your heart and your soul and your spirit is homesick for that heavenly place that God has prepared for us, you're going to be okay. You're walking in the Word. You're living according to the Word. You're living your life homesick, but yet you're working well, until God comes. Our soul is longing for that heavenly home, that land that God has prepared for us. I'd like for us to stand today. I pray that in this service that there is something that has been sparked in your heart and soul that will bring you to that place if you haven't got there already. That I cannot live my life any day without being homesick. The thoughts, the memories, the heart, feelings of the love of God, the mercy of God, the strength of God, and living forever with the Lord for eternity in that place of the heavenly host. Amen. That song that we sing, Sweet Beulah Land, I want you to hear the words of it. I'm going to attempt to sing it here today, and if you know it, please join in with me today. But there's something very special. As he sings... I'm kind of homesick for that country to which I've never been before. No sad goodbyes up there will be spoken time won't matter anymore Beulah land I'm longing for you and someday on thee I'll stand and there my home shall be eternal Beulah 
Beulah land I'm looking out Think about it Across that river To where my faith Is going to end inside it's just a few more days to labor I'm going to take my heavenly fly sing it oh Beulah land I'm longing for you and someday on thee I'll stand and there my home shall be eternal Beulah land sweet Beulah land verse 1 I'm kind of homesick for a country to which I've never seen before no sad goodbyes up there will be spoken time won't matter anymore oh Beulah land I'm longing for you and someday on thee I'll stand and there my home shall be eternal land, sweet Beulahland verse 2 how you feel about it I'm looking out across that river to where my faith is going to end inside it's just a few more days to labor I'm going to take my heavenly fly let's sing it oh Beulah land I'm longing for you and 
then someday on thee I will stand where my home shall be eternal land sweet Are you feeling that homesickness? Are you feeling that drawing? Are you feeling that hunger to be with God for eternity? Amen. I'm going to open these altars up right now. I want us to come. We've got to do everything that we can to be ready for the coming of the Lord. We've got to set our feet upon that land that God has prepared for us. That home that is going to be eternal. Amen. I see it. I see it with eyes of faith. I've tasted of it, and I'm not satisfied until I get there. Oh, can we cry out to God? Oh, if we could come to this altar and pray and seek God. Oh, if we could find an altar in this place today. Oh, sweet Beulah land, a marriage that we've committed to. Oh, a place, a place where God is. I'm not satisfied with this world that doesn't speak my language anymore. My heart is longing. My heart is longing. I'm longing for the presence of God.